Let's do it. Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Of course, that is area code 225. Just in case you happen to be outside of our calling area. That's right, like some of our podcast listeners would be. That's exactly right. That's who I'm pitching to. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we would really enjoy hearing from you guys. Uh, go ahead and give us a call. I had a fellow from California, Fresno, California, that emailed me earlier this week. I was able to help him out. He had a dead battery in his truck, and his air conditioner has started to malfunction after that, and he didn't understand exactly why. So Right. We were able, I think, to get it all straight for him. Well, that's great. If you don't care to call in or something occurred to you after we we're off the air, maybe later on in the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered on our website. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. It's in the form on the website. Get your questions back in 24 hours. That's right. And if you hadn't received an answer back within 24 hours, please just check the email address, make sure it's correct, and resubmit it because cyberspace being what cyberspace is, occasionally something does get lost or something does go wrong. I can assure you if you hadn't gotten an answer back to me within 24 hours, it's because I didn't receive it because I never ignore emails. I do answer every single email I receive or everyone from that site. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> About 2,000 of them hit the junk bin every yeah. day from, yeah. from the spammers out there. But you can look on the site. You go to vehicle questions. You're going to find a quick, to-the-point answer to a direct question. For instance, what does a W in 5W30 mean? If you want a question like that, just go to vehicle questions, pop it in. It's going to give you an answer right there. And I have just gone through, I'd say, ooh, seven-eighths of those. I've redone them. Updated them, added additional information, things that have changed since they were originally written in Exum or four or five years old. Right. And technology changes, so some things are no longer applicable. And I have been working on that, uh, 1,042 of those in there. Wow. So it takes a little a lot, while to do all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm about three-quarters of the way through the cooling system, which is the second to last category. So All right. I got a lot more behind me than I got in front of me. There you go. But that keeps the information current, and that helps with your Google positioning and all. If you're constantly updating your information and they know it's current information, they're going to give you a better rating when people type in a certain category. They're going to go to more current information sooner. Right. So that's why it's imperative to keep a website current. And, of course, on detailed topics, is going to be a much more involved answer to a specific topic. One went on this morning on stop leak. And that is a question that we get from time to time. Can I put stop leak in my NEMA system? Right. They got it for everything. Oh, they do. They do. It doesn't work on any of it. And most of it, it actually does damage. Nowhere more so than in an air conditioning right. system. That's probably the worst place, uh, along with maybe an automatic transmission. But stop leak functions in a couple of different ways. Either it softens and swells the seals, which may temporarily slow the leak down, but then the entire system collapses, which you got a much, much bigger problem. For instance... Let's say the seal on the front of your power steering pump is leaking slightly. It was probably leaking because the bearing's going bad and the shaft's now wobbling. Uh-huh. You dump this junk in there. Well, it softens all the seals up, not only in the power steering pump, but it softens the hoses and it softens up the rack and pinion seals. Or whatever. If you're unfortunate enough to have hydro boost, it may soften those up as well. There you go. So instead of a $250 repair of a power steering pump, which you're going to have to do anyway because right. once that bearing goes out, it's going to start screaming and shaft's going to break. But now you have a rack and pinion leaking, hoses leaking, hydro boost unit leaking, everything else. All right, you're talking 2,000. That's right, easily. Easy. Easy. 2, so 
something you don't really want to get involved with. The stuff they put in air conditioning works by hardening when it's exposed to air. So the theory is if it leaks out of a leak, hits the air, it's going to get hard, and when it gets hard, it's going to see a leak. Correct. Well, in theory. Theory I, it sounds great. Yeah, I've always noticed that theory is further from practice and practice than it is in theory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you get air in the system, it starts to harden in the system, like in expansion valves and in compressors and stuff like that. Right. So it can do a huge amount of damage. Not only that, but... All automotive shops are required by federal law to recycle refrigerant. We can't just let it go out into the air. It has to be recycled. Correct. The machines we use to do that probably cost between four and $7,000. And if you suck stop leak into them, you just wipe one out. Right. So as you might imagine, we're going to be pretty careful about doing that. We've actually got a machine you can hook to the system, and right. it checks what kind of refrigerant is in it. You're going to put an identifier on it before any other service is done, and if it pops back contaminated, that's far as you're going. That's right. Any, and any legal shop will not touch it after that's that. That's right. Well, you can't. By law, you've got hazardous waste in the system. I can't recycle it, so therefore, there's nothing can be done. So now you've got an area that can't be fixed. Right. And that's just what happens. And a lot of times, folks don't even realize they're getting stop leak. They may just go to a parts store, ask for a can of R134A, not read the can instructions, and it says on there, we'll stop leak. Right. They had no idea. Because well, I had that, people that's... come in with contaminated systems. Oh, my God, how'd that get in there? Right. Well, I don't know. Did you ever charge this? Well, yeah, I put some, some 134A in it. Well, go back and read the can. That's it. Well, how did that happen? Well, you can talk to the guy that sold it to you. Well, it's not just a refrigerant. It's oils. Power anything, steering fluid. Anything you, mm-hmm. lo- you use now, you have to look at it and oh, see. Oh, very carefully. Because a lot of it is labeled in real fu- small print at the bottom That's with right. stop leak. That's right. It's not produced big letters on the bottle of bottle. Right. It ought to be a big old warning. And I guess until there's a class action suit against the clowns that push this junk on people. Right. And say, tell you what, if I dump this in my system, are you going to be liable for any damage that's caused? Yes or no? And then you got your answer right there. That's it. <laughs> when he starts crawfishing back across that counter, <laughs> he's been telling you how great it is for 15 minutes. Just say, okay, then you, that means you're going to pay the bill if it does any damage, right? Yep. Oh, boy, 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 boy. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you what he really thinks about it. Exactly. <laughs> so a good article for anybody to read. Pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. Lots of good information in there. Let's go to our phone lines. Percy, good morning, Percy. Hey, how you doing, Doing Lewis? great, sir. I just want to say, uh, thank you for helping the guy in Sierra. Uh-huh. And I uh, really appreciate you answering my battery question and all that you do for everybody. Oh, well, hey, I appreciate you calling. And you're always really good. You get me an OME parts for the rest of my life. Every time we out on now. So I appreciate it. And you do a great job and a lot of good information on your site. So well, now. Well, great. I thank you for calling. All right, you have a good day. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. All right, that was very nice of me, I'm telling you. And, of course, we've got all our lines right open. It's a perfect time to call in. Beautiful morning out there. I know it's kind of tempting to be out doing something else other than sitting down and listening to radio. But <laughs> You can always turn the radio on outside. That's right. Get your iPod with you or something you or carry it around with you. But, yeah, just absolutely beautiful day outside. And, of course, LSU's playing at early today. 11 o'clock or 11.30. Something like that. Yeah, so I guess a lot of folks are also heading to the game. Oh, yeah, you can tell. You can by look looking at the traffic out there on the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're overlooking I-10-12 split here, and it is backed up as far as I can see. That's it. From the fifth floor. Several, several, several little accidents on the side. So oh, yeah. Well, that just goes with the territory. That's man. it. If you, hadn't, if you hadn't left yet, you need to be gone already. Yeah, if you hadn't left yet, you probably ain't going to make kickoff. So, <laughs> hey, let's go right back to our phone lines. we got Kevin on the line. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, guys. Good hey, morning. I've got a 2010 Tundra, and it's got the 4.6. Uh-huh. And it calls for the 0520, 05W20 oil. Yes, sir. Right. 
and it says you can go 10,000. I go, I change my all around. I'm on the highway a lot, so I change it every 5,000. That'd be better, yes, sir. Right. And, but I mean, why, the, what is the difference in the 0520 versus 10W30 and, well, I mean, what, why does it have to be synthetic? And yeah, it has to be synthetic, Kevin, because no conventional oil is going to meet the standards that Toyota has set for that engine. You see, what happens as they start to tighten up tolerances on the engine, the clearance is smaller. That's why they need thinner oil to get in there. Not only that, but you have to realize that oil does a whole lot more than just lubricate an engine anymore. It's operating the variable cam timing. It's operating the timing chain and timing belt tensioners. It's doing a lot of things. And so that's for it has become a very, very specialized product. It's not like in the old days where you dumped 10W3 and everything. It really didn't make much difference. See, the difference in, say, 5W30 and, say, 0W20, the 0 would be the way that the oil can respond at 0 degrees Celsius. It will act like a zero-weight oil. It can still travel. It can still flow. At temperature, which they consider 100 degrees Celsius, it's going to act like a 20-weight oil. So it doesn't thin or thicken as much as conventional oil, and the only way to get that kind of spreadation is with a synthetic-based oil. There's conventional oil just isn't going to give you that kind of protection. So I don't believe in those 10,000-mile all-change intervals, absolute blue sky, perfect conditions. Some people may make it, but it's just not cost-effective. What we're seeing is a huge increase in the number of rear main seals leaking, the number of valve cover gaskets leaking, the number of front seals leaking, and stuff like that because seals are getting hard. Time and tensioners going out. Tensioners going out, time and chain stretching, even camshaft damage and stuff that you used to never see because of these hugely extended oil change intervals. So if you're putting a fair amount of highway driving, you could probably get by with 5,000 miles pretty easy, but it's just why would you want to push it any further? Right. I've always done it at 5,000, even before the synthetic and, you know, Mm-hmm. any of my vehicles because I'm on the highway so much. Right. Now, I like the, instead of the 5W30, what about 5W20 and 0W20? And, I mean, is one better than the other? No, it's not better or it's not worse. It's just the right product for the right application. application. When they engineer that engine, they design it with certain tolerances, certain clearances, and that is what determines what all goes in it. So if the all calls for 0W20, that needs to go in it. If it calls for 5W30, that's what needs to go in it. One's not better than another. It's just two different products for two different applications. I got you. All righty. Appreciate it. Hey, Ken. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. Number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. my way, take the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. More than 2,000 miles all the way. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hervorted supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par, melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... 
I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Ms. Jones, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? Of course, area code 225. Be glad to try to talk to you about any topic you got on your mind. That's right. Just give us a call. That's right. Old car won't stop, won't start. Squeaking, <laughs> clacking, clunking. <laughs> well, Which they all do at one point or another. Some more than others, but uh, yeah, you're pretty much right. It seems like this week has just been a clunking, squeaking kind of week. You oh, I'm telling that? you. Every, more, every other job was more, just got a rattle here yeah, and a noise rat, there. Rattle, and, squeak, a place. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that happens in the shop. Some weeks, it's like every car is overheating. The next week, every car is an air conditioning problem. Right. The next week is check engine lights. The next week is squeaks and rattles. It kind of seems to go in cycles. I know it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you ever notice when you get an odd car that shows up on the lot? Yeah. The next day, there's three more. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. It, <laughs> it just happened. For 40 years, I've been watching that, and I, I hadn't figured it out yet. I hadn't either. You'll get a 65 Mustang, and you hadn't seen one in 10 years, and all of a sudden, you got three of them in the shop. Yeah. Yeah, I know they drive by and see another one out there. I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, or you take like say an old Chevy Caprice, which need old car in its day, but you just don't right. see them that much anymore. But one of them will show up, and then before you know it, there's another one, and there's another one. There's there's three of them, and it seemed to go in threes for some yeah. reason. Yeah, <laughs> whatever whatever reason, <laughs> whatever bizarre reason. I, I had I never figured all the matrix of the uh, auto repair industry out. I've only been at forty five years, but just hadn't got all that quite down yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to our phone lines. We have got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, good morning. question. Enjoy the show. Thank you. A question on a car that it's an 89. It's a very nice car. It's a Mercedes. Uh-huh. It's been sitting for a lot of years. A woman just quit driving it because mm-hmm. of uh, age and health. Yes, sir. Great shape. So what I'm looking for, the car's been started intermittently in the last couple of years, but it's been sitting for six years. Yes, sir. What would, I mean, what would be the main concerns on that? Mike, that's going to be a real problematic car for the most part only because i don't care how good a shape a car is in if you let it sit it's an awful lot like a person i know my insurance guy said the number one killer of elderly people is retirement go home and sit on the couch and they die same thing with a car car is designed to run and the more it runs the more it likes it when they sit a lot of little things take place for instance stuff like the brake calipers sit in one position the piston doesn't move so they start to etch themselves into the bore same thing with the shock absorber pistons. Same thing with the wheel bearings. Rollers sit in one position. All the lubricant mashes out. You get a little dent in the race there, a little corrosion on the race. And when you start to roll, it doesn't happen immediately. But as it starts to roll, this little corrosion spot now becomes a little rough spot. Then it becomes a little gap. Then it's a breakdown. And before you know it, you got a repair on your hand. Seals tend to dry out because they're not being lubricated. Seal conditioner in the oils and the fluids, it's not getting to the seals. So they tend to dry right. out and dry rot. So, your fuel system? 
fuel system tends Man, to dry yeah. out and corrode. You know how fuel loads, if you leave it in a gas can stuck in the shed for right. six months? Gums up, Just all that kind of Just think of what it thing. does in a car. Yeah, rings sticking to pistons. To get back to your question, though, what I would do at very, very least, is it a diesel or is it a gasoline engine? Gas. Okay, I would probably drain all of the fuel out of the tank by whatever means you had to. You may have to drop the tank out of the car to do that. I don't... There may be a drain plug on that one. I'm just not sure. You'll have to look and see. But drain out as much of the fuel as you possibly can. Then fill it about a half a tank, not full. Now, from there, you're going to need to, of course, probably change the battery out because it's going to be dead as a hammer. I would look at most of the fluids in it, including the brake fluid, replacing all of those. Check the age of the tires because they're probably going to be over six years old, which means they're not safe any longer. Once you do all these things and get the car running... What you need to do is drive it as much as you can, as easy as you can, but as much as you can. And the, the easiest miles is going to be highway miles. Right, and expect right. problems. Yeah, expect Don't, don't expect, expect to problems. get in it and drive with no problem. So what you want to do is keep diluting that fuel. In other words, put a half a tank in there, go drive it. When you get to a quarter tank, go put enough, you'll fill it to a half a tank again. And by continually diluting what's left in there, it's going to tend to clean up a whole lot better than if you just went and filled it up and ran it through. Yeah, I was thinking for I was thinking it for my son. It's a good thing I don't like him very much. Be, <laughs> be a good punishment for him. There you <laughs> go. What's he done to you? <laughs> well, that's great advice. I wanted to know if I drop the fuel though, put a new battery in. It's safe at that point as long as the fluids are right. Correct. I can start it up at that point. The, yeah, right. probably so. Now I tell you too, Mike. If you go on my website and go to the search bar and just type in something like storage, it's going to bring up a nice article on storing a vehicle. And not only does it cover the things that should be done when you store it, but it also goes through a lot of things we're talking about now, like getting it out of storage, what you need to do. So it may give you some more thoughts there. Great advice, and enjoy the show. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Mike, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would certainly love to have you. That's a good, good, good question. And we see that a lot where folks will go and they'll find a car that's been sitting up a lot. And very often it is a situation like Mike's where an elderly person had the car, they didn't want to get rid of it for whatever reasons. And so the car ended up getting stored or, or sitting Just up. sitting, yeah. And a number of things tend to happen to a car when it's stored. Number one, all the things we've already mentioned. But also what happens, rodents and pests tend to get into the car. They tend to get up on the engine. Right, it's a safe haven for them. They can get away from bigger animals that's right. after them, and it gives them somewhere to nest, and they can make a mess of a vehicle in a hurry. Right, they'll tend to chew on wires and stuff, so you start getting a lot of electrical shorts and stuff like that. Right. Another real good idea, if you do read that story on storing a vehicle that may not occur to a lot of folks, is when you do store a vehicle, you need to take something like tinfoil, wad it up, and stick it in the tailpipe. Because that keeps, number one, keeps moisture out of it, right. which can leak its way all the way up, rush the exhaust system out, and get all the way into the engine. The valves happen to be open. It also keeps rodents and insects from going up the tailpipe. That's right. Where they'll also nest and cause all kinds of problems. So that's the kind of stuff that you can get when you read that article. Lots of good, good pointers and tips yeah. there. That's uh, That one little thing can cause you or save you a whole bunch of problems. Right, and you see that coming up. A lot lately, most people can't go out and buy a new car, so mm -hmm. they're trying to, to find a decent mode of transportation. Well, that's right. And it tends to be a car that's been sitting for a while. Well, what has happened, I know we get a lot, a lot of people who come by the shop, and a lot of them are looking for a used car. Right. And what most of them are reporting to me is that, number one, used cars are extremely expensive. Because our brilliant government crushed all the ones we could afford. Right, all the good ones that we, that would <laughs> all really All the ones we, we could actually afford to drive. But 
the price of used cars has almost skyrocketed right. in direct proportion to the ridiculous price and the low quality of the new cars that they're building. Exactly. So as the decent buys on used cars are starting to evaporate more and more, people are looking harder and deeper. And finding more. So rather than going, say, to a used car lot or a dealership, maybe they see this car sitting in somebody's garage or under somebody's carport. Well, now they build up the courage to go and ask them because, yeah. <laughs> just like me, they're trying to save money, and they think this is a good way to do it. And sometimes it is, but sometimes, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a great deal. If you can get the vehicle cheap enough, you can. And it hadn't been and, stored too long. Right. Yeah, I've got one at the house that's been sitting for 13 years. That's right. Everything in it's got to be changed. Mm-hmm. The fuel tank's got to be changed. The fuel lines, the brake lines, the brake hoses, all the brake work. But you knew everything. this going in. But I knew that going in. And it's a car. classic car that you love, and you just right. want to restore it. Right. And I then, knew all that going in. Mm-hmm. I already had the car, so the cost, of, the initial cost, was already gone. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But like you said, you go in and you start removing rust. You start removing corrosion. You finally get the engine to start and now it's got a little knock it used to not have in there the transmission yeah. doesn't shift quite as well as it used to of course all the brake hoses are now dry oh, rotted hoses are, hoses are trash and even the brake line the yeah. steel parts even are the steel even lines are probably ha- halfway out. eaten through so yeah you're going to be into a big 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 repair so it's something to budget and, and also you got to think about who's going to repair this vehicle well yeah if can you repair it able to or do, do it you yourself. have to pay somebody to repair it well if you're able to do the majority of it yourself, or a lot of it yourself. Right. For instance, a lot of people are capable of doing brake work themselves, particularly on an older vehicle. Uh-huh. So if you can go in, change the wheel cylinders, change the brake calipers, change the hoses yourself, naturally that's going to keep the cost down. Sure. If you have to pay a professional to go in and replace all these parts. Yeah, you're talking about 80 to to $100 a, an That's hour. right. That's right. Yeah, shop rates in Baton Rouge run between 80 and $120 an yeah. hour in some of the dealerships. And so it can get very expensive very, very fast. Quick. And there are going to be some things, even on an older car, you're just not going to be able to tackle yourself. That's right. You Automatic know, transmission. Well, that's one. And Engine that, rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of times front-end parts. Yeah. Certain front-end parts. Several things. Just out of the realm of an average do-it-yourselfer to attack. And wiring problems. If a rodent's gotten there and chewed the wiring up real bad, I'm sure that they got some people, some do-it-yourselfers out there who are probably really sharp on wiring. But the average person doesn't really understand too much about wiring, right. particularly on the multiplex cars, the later model ones, where they're using one wire to produce a square wave, which means five different pieces of information depending on the height, the amplitude of the wave. It's not an analog signal like 12 volts like you used to have. So without a digital lab scope, you don't even know what's going down this wire. Well, and that and there's a module at the end of each each component that's right. that reads that. To interpret it and then so, break it back down to an analog signal. Right. So, yeah, you can get into some real, real, real expensive and complex things that you're not going to be able to address yourself. Now, if you have to pay someone to do all this stuff, again, it just depends. If someone's going to give you the car, it's a cool car, you really like it, and you're willing to put some money into it, Right. that's great. But a lot of times, if you're just trying to find an inexpensive car, maybe for a kid to go to college or whatever, you got to remember, that's going to be pretty expensive on him or her to maintain. Right. And as a for the most part, it's not going to be a real dependable car if it's been sitting a long time. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a lot of little residual problems that are going to show up down the road. Sort of like we were talking about the wheel bearings sit there for years. Well, the ball or the roller in that bearing touches that race. When it's rolling, there's lubrication in there. Correct. When there's no lubrication because it's not rolling, it etches a little line. Well, when you start to roll it again, that little line becomes a little dip, then it becomes a little corroded spot, then it becomes a flake, and then the metal gets into the grease. 
it may take six months for this bearing to go south. Right. But once but it does, now we got a roar in the front end and a hot wheel that has to be, to be attended to. Right. And so lots and lots of little things like that that just keep compiling through the life of the car. Right. Hey, we got to take another quick little break, and we're going to be right back. Chris, hold on. You'll be straight about this one. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Well, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, what, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Wayne, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to AGCO for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Loud noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. But I can't keep punching with the victory crew when you're making me punch you with that Well, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? And we're going right straight back to our phone lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Hey, I got a question. Sure. I'm always hearing this commercials and advertisements on an additive product. Yes, sir. And, the, and they say you got to go to certain places that have been trained. Yeah, sir. Far. Yeah, it'll sir. It'll make your transmission new. It'll make yeah, your yeah, 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 yeah. For a little you while. You're familiar with the product you're talking about, Chris. And I'll tell you, the training that they get is when they come in, they go train all the guys to keep the box top whenever they sell this junk. And they teach all the service riders to get the other half of the box top. Then when they come around once a month, I'm going to give you a dollar for every box top you got. I'm going to give the service rider a dollar for every box top he's got. That's the training you get. Uh, Nothing but a scam, man. That is one of those deals. I've had that guy come around and try to sell me on that. I basically threw him out of the shop two or three times. But what it is, it's a money-making thing. I don't like the idea of bribing people to sell a product in the first place. I think a service rider needs to be impartial. He is an advisor that people trust. You're paying him for advice. And I don't think I think it's a conflict of interest. He's getting paid by somebody else to buy his. another product. There is no product that is going to restore a worn part it just ain't happening parts go bad leaks start because a part has excess movement in it or a seal is either hard or damaged there's no product that's going to fix that I said there are products that'll soften up the seal and make it temporarily seal but then when it softens it up it deteriorates the rubber and makes it go out completely so yeah. you had something that you were trying to push off on somebody else and sell, and you want to dump that in there and do it. Of course, I'd have a problem with that morally myself, but you maybe there'd be some kind of market for that junk. But I've just seen the effects of it. Once it goes in, the things it does, I've never seen any substantiation of any of the claims they make. I've heard stuff say that, oh, this is going to increase your gas mileage five miles a gallon. Well, now, wait a minute. Here's GM, Ford, and Chrysler spending billions of dollars to try to get a quarter mile of a gallon. Don't you think if they could put this junk in there and do that, they would be doing it? 
<laughs> you know, right, or this right. is going to this is going to eliminate your wear and tear. Oh, come on, man. You know, it, it just flies in the face of logic. But yeah, there's no additives that are actually recommended by the manufacturers. The, the only additive I've ever seen any of the manufacturers recommend, there's a chemical called stanodyne, which they put in diesel engines because they've stripped the sulfur out of the fuel that the pumps were actually made to run on. And Stanodyne is the company that made the pump. So I would probably trust something like that. GM, Ford, and Chrysler all agree. They do recommend it. But all this other stuff, they've got several bulletins where they tell you don't put this junk in there, even though their dealers are selling it. (laughs) But, yeah, no, just stay away from that. Use a high-quality gasoline, a name-brand gasoline. Use a good brand of oil and change it regularly. Put the proper fluids, the proper antifreeze, the proper stuff, and you're not going to have any problems anyway. You're going to get tired of looking at a car before it wears out if you just do the regular maintenance on it. All right. All right. I appreciate it. Okay, Chris. Thanks for calling, man. Bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We would love to have you. That stuff just always rubbed me the wrong way. And it's, it's been around forever. Oh, it has. And In one form or another. Well, the way this guy comes in the shop and he's talking about how much money we're going to make on this stuff. Right. Man, you're going to make all kind of money. Your techs are going to make extra money. Da, 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 da. Wait well, a minute. the techs are starving to death now. Yeah, so what good is this doing? Right. What good is it doing for the customer who's paying for it all? Because I'll add it back in there. And, well, what you do is take this box top, you know, and then you keep part of it. And then uh, the tech takes the other part of it. And he turns me and I'll come by once a week or once a month. And we're going to take all, we'll give him all a dollar a piece for all it. I said, it ain't got anything to do with the product or how right. good it does or what it's going to do for the customer. Right. Get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of got, got, got mad at me. finally quit coming around. But <laughs> well, at least he finally got the message. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't take him about three or four times. But <laughs> yeah, well, some people ain't, uh, ain't that bright. Ain't, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, tell me how good this is. Tell me what credible sources have tested and now recommend it. Not your brother-in-law or not, well, this guy put it in. He said it's great. Right. Okay. Where's the proof? You know, <laughs> you give people a placebo, a lot of them are going to get well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I don't like any of those additives. Like I said, the oh, only man. additive I've ever seen that we use for any degree is a standardine that you put in the diesels. Uh, right. And that's only covering up a problem that, of course, our government has created for us. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they seem to have created a lot of problems well, for us. Well, they that That's truth. a, different, that's a whole one, different show. That's just one more of them, Megan. That's it. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Chris, good morning, Chris. Hello. Yes, good sir. Morning. So I got a uh, 07 Dodge Caliper that I started having a lo- uh, sort of a whining noise coming from underneath the hood, and a couple of people told me it was a belt or a bearing, and the okay. Dodge garage said it was the alternator bearing. Okay, well, that's pretty easy to diagnose. All you got to do, Chris, is just temporarily take the belt off, crank uh-huh. it up, and see if the noise is gone. And All if right. noise is gone, now you know it's something the belt is driving. If you take the belt off, temporarily crank it up, and noise is still there, well, you can forget all that. Right. See, so that's pretty simple. Now, once you've determined, yes, it is a belt-driven accessory, it's pretty simple since the belt's already off. Just reach over and spin each one of the pulleys by hand. You're going to hear it when you spin it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very large whining noise. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's going to be pretty easy to diagnose. So there's no sense in, hey, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. You need to go to somebody who can tell you this is absolutely it. It's going to cost this much to fix, and I guarantee it's going to be fixed when you pick it up. All right. That's all you need. Just find somebody with common sense. Okay, then. Thank you much. Okay, all man. Right. Thank you. Bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got David online. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning, Brian, and good morning, Lewis. Good yes, morning, sir. sir. I just got a learning question for you. Sure, uh, go ahead. New cars versus old cars uh, uh-huh. the, and trucks. The, the older vehicles, you had a switch in the door panel that turned off 
and on your interior lot. That's correct. And it, that's all it did. Mm-hmm. The newer cars, there's nothing there. That is correct. But, but it still works. So mm-hmm. how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> Magic. <laughs> that's what I thought. Inside of the latch, there's generally a sensor. And when the latch closes, the sensor determines that the latch is closed, and that's how it knows it doesn't actually send an analog signal like a 12-volt line that goes to ground or anything. Rather, what it does, it sends a pulse to the body module and it says, okay, this door is now closed. And the body module takes that information and processes it and does things with it. For instance, if you ever notice nowadays, if you turn your key off in most cars, the radio does not quit playing. Correct. It'll play for maybe five minutes. However, if you open the door, it quits playing instantly. So by having this input, it can do cool stuff like that. Another thing, you know, it's like when you close your door now, instead of light just going out, it kind of operas down. Yeah, yeah and, just, and there's the door ajar. Yeah, on the right. your door is ajar. No, my door is a door. <laughs> What's this jar? What's the jar? <laughs> but, yeah, it's a lot of complexity to do something that's kind of simple. I hate that kind of stuff personally, but a lot of folks like it. A lot of folks buy it, so that's why they put it in there. I'm with you. I kind of like a little plunger switch that costs $2 less than the life of the car. Right. Because now when they go out, if you're real lucky, you can buy a sensor, which is about $40. takes about an hour and a half to change it and probably takes an hour to diagnose it. So you end up walking out with about a $400 pair bill to get your light dome light off. In the old days, you had that plunger switch. You'd unplug it. Okay, the light went out. We know that's it. You'd unscrew it, put a new one in there. It took right. you about five minutes. cost you about $3. And you probably wasn't ever going to have to do it. Unless you slam something in the door and bent the switch, it's going to last the life of the car. Right. So, I don't know, everything's like that nowadays, man. They've just gone berserk with electronics and features, and it sells cars. It looks really cool yeah. when you buy the car, and nobody really anticipates, okay, what's this going to cost to maintain this? What's it going to cost down the road? If they did, they'd never buy a new car. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah, technology has gotten some kind of sophisticated with, yeah. with automobiles. Well, it's just gotten out of hand. There's no cost benefit to the customer anymore. I don't think that's even considered any longer. No. Well, I've got one more question. Sure, go ahead. Curiosity, and really none of my business, but I'm dying to know what Brian's classic car is. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a 68 Mustang Coupe. Fantastic. At the house. Yeah, and where did it come from? My dad bought it in two months old in 69. Oh, well, that's a special attachment to that vehicle. Yeah, he drove it till 82 and parked it. I picked it up in 84, and he and I restored it, Mm -hmm. and I drove it. Until about 13 years ago. Well, when you first start working at Echo, you used to drive it every yeah, day. Yeah, it was, it was an everyday car. When my girls were born, I parked it and bought something more economical. Diapers and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Diapers and baby food. And, and now, that, now that they're 13 and 17, I got a, another driver at the house, so we're putting it back together. That's fantastic. I'm proud That's of that. It's going to be a beautiful automobile. Too. Yeah, he's got it all painted. Got, he took it all the way down to the shell. He's got oh, it all yeah. painted, got all the glass back in, got the motor back in. Yeah. It's getting close. Well, I'm looking forward to your show on on how all of that is done. And what <laughs> That's right. Body first or engine first and all, because I know a lot of your listeners want to do the same thing. There you yeah. go. Thanks very much. All right, yeah, Dave. Sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, of course, that's Erico 225. You happen to be outside of our calling area. We'd love to hear from you. And let's go back to the phone lines. Russell, good morning, Russell. Hey, good morning. Yes, good sir. Morning. Show and Thank uh, you. I had a question right quick. I sure. got a 06 Chevy Silverado okay. with a 4.8, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, and, right. Well, I had a check engine light come on okay. about, uh, I don't know, about four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. And did some research on the internet and I was finding out that it's this EVAP cancer yep. or something. Yeah, very, very, very. Usually it's EVAP vent solenoid is the most common thing. So I, I put checked. two on my truck already. <laughs> Correct. And I, I did change it. The mm-hmm. light has since gone off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
it seems like there's still a vacuum leak possibly because sometimes when I run this beat, like in the morning, I'll start up and, mm-hmm. you know, it'll go up to about 1,200 RPM on a startup. Right. And then after I run it for a little while and I, like, go to the store and run in and then mm-hmm. come back out and start up again, mm-hmm. it'll jump up to two grand. Like I'm hitting the accelerator. Yeah, that's probably another problem. Yeah, it's going to be two different problems. (laughs) Yeah, more likely what you're going to do, it usually smooths out once it warms up a little bit. Uh, No, it gets worse when it warms up. Does it? Huh. Uh Now, I did, I got this truck about a year ago. Mm -hmm, mm It's 7,000, I think, Mm -hmm, miles mm on it. And I went ahead and cleaned up the throttle body and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and replaced the gasket. Now, I got a little shade tree knowledge. I'm not a mechanic, but I know a couple of things. And I tightened everything up. I don't, you know, I just the new gasket went on. Yeah, that's not going to be where your problem's at, though. What ninety nine times out of a hundred, Russell, if you've got some kind of instrumentation where you can go in and read what they call fuel trim, which takes some fairly sophisticated tooling, but what you're going to notice is your fuel trim is going to probably be plus about fifteen to twenty percent. That means adding fifteen to twenty percent additional fuel to the engine, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean you're burning more fuel. It just means Basically, there's an air leak somewhere, and it's matching the fuel to the air leak. Now, when it hits 25%, your check engine light's going to come on. Right, because it can't trim out anymore. It can't get anymore, so it's done all it can do is kick a check engine light. So I would imagine you're probably fairly close to that. What I almost guarantee is going to be is the intake manifold gaskets. Reason being, those were absolutely notorious for that problem. They've actually come out with a different gasket. The original gaskets were kind of an orange color. The replacement is a teal color. And what happens, those gaskets tend to start leaking because the bolts that actually retain the intake manifold have like a urethane spacer on top of them. As you tighten the bolt, there's a sleeve in there, and it bottoms out. It won't go any tighter. And the urethane washer at the top crushes down holds the intake tight. Well, what happens, those urethane washers or spacers pack down over time. The intake loosens up. The gasket starts leaking. And when it does, it starts seeking air in around there. Now, when the air hits the engine, the O2 sensors say, hey, we're too lean. So it, it doesn't die or miss like the old cars did so much. It just adds more fuel to it, and the engine speed goes up. Right. So it's what, unmetered I air. Them? Could I retorque the intake? No, it no. won't help at all because the sleeve on that bolt is not going to get any tighter. You can crank it down until you break it off. It's not going to get any tighter. What you're going to have to do is pull the intake. You're going to have to replace the gaskets. You're going to have to replace all of those bolts. Everything's up top. It might be something in my capability. Yeah, it's not all that hard. It's not a big deal. Go to my website and type in GM intake, and an article's going to pop up with pictures. It shows you the torque sequence. It shows you the bolts we're talking about. It shows you everything you want to know about it. Now, I tell you, when you go to the Chevrolet dealer to try to find those bolts, they're going to argue with you, tell you you don't need to change them, tell you they don't stock them and everything else under the sun. I can't imagine why that is. I know they're seeing that problem all the time. I think they just change the gaskets, and then when they come back, they end up coming to us to fix them. Right. They, they get them out of warranty and that. We go. stock those bolts, man. We keep about 10 sets of them on the shelf all the time because we go through them day and night. That's the source of the original problem. So be sure you change the bolts regardless of what anybody tells you. Okay. And I haven't thrown any engine code since I changed that evap. Yeah, it won't. It's, it's, it's got to exceed it's 25% before it runs fine other than ever mm-hmm. so often. It mm-hmm. seems like it's possessed. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just covering up. The, see, engine computers are real, real smart at covering up problems. And unless you've got sophisticated enough equipment to go in there that'll detect what the computer is covering up, so a normal scan tool is not going to see that. you got to have something like a GM Tech 2 or something like that where you can actually go in and see what it's doing. you got bidirectional communication with the computer. Then you can say, okay, yeah, you're adding 15% additional fuel. Now, why is that? Eventually, it's going to set a PO171 and a PO174, lean bank one, right. lean bank two. And when it does, it'll start setting a PO300, which is a misfire code, and then your check engine light will pop on and 
then you might as well head it off before it happens, particularly if you can do it yourself. I got you. All right. All right. Thank you guys very much. Okay, man. All right, sir. Thank you. Go Bye-bye. Sure. All right. <laughs> there we go. Hey, we got to take one more quick little break. Gene, if you hang on, you're going to be straight up after the break. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> but you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour, final segment. Hey, I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. I got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. So between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Of course, that is area code 225. And we're going back to the lines with Gene. Good morning, Gene. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, question. I have an 09 Chevrolet, and they say you don't change your transmission fluids and all that good stuff for 100,000 miles. Is that true? No. If you want to buy a transmission <laughs> at 100,000, it's pretty good. <laughs> Gene, I would change it. It was my vehicle. I changed it around 50, just because it's inexpensive to do it, and a transmission is obscenely expensive these days, and the only thing you can do to protect it is change that fluid and change that filter. GM and all the manufacturers are trying to do is they're trying to make cars as maintenance-free as possible. They also realize that everybody in the industry is not what they should be. And what they're doing, they're playing the odds. They say, well, you know, if you don't do anything with it at all, at least you ain't going to screw it up. If you get some goofball in there, he drops the pan, he knocks a wire off the solenoid, or he puts the wrong fluid in it, he doesn't put enough fluid, he puts the filter on, it falls off in the pan, we're going to be creating problems. So if you just leave it alone, it's going to make it 100000 Now, if it burns up after that, who cares? It's time for them to buy a new car anyway. Okay, but, so I have 64,000 miles. So I'm okay to change it now. Yeah, I would I definitely change it. Now, what you want to do, Gene, you want to get a real service. You don't want a flush. There's a ton of people who are going to tell you to flush it out. That does absolutely no good. All that is a way for them to make money without doing anything. They take the cool lines off and run clean fluid through a dirty transmission. You're doing and absolutely no good. You don't even know if it's the right fluid. Right, because that one takes a fluid called Dextron 6, which is a synthetic fluid. So it's got to have the right fluid. you got to change the filter. You need to take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay, I'll bring it to y'all next week. There you go. Okay, there you go. You found the right person to do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, day, okay, Gene, Thank thanks, you, man. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Richard on the line. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning, sir. How y'all doing today? Man, could not great. be better. It's a beautiful day. I'm it right is. In my yard. I just bought a Toyota pickup 2010, but it had like 80 miles on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dealer vehicle and all that. And I'm just wondering, when should I start using a synthetic motor oil? 
what uh, what pick is it a Tundra? Is it a Tacoma? No, it's a four wheel drive or Tacoma. Yeah, four point How many miles you got now, Richard? Pardon me? How many miles you got on it right now? Oh, this is about five hundred. Yeah, I would probably change that all right now and put regular all back in there. Reason being, Richard, when an engine is built brand new, even a Toyota. No, I, I didn't put any synthetic oil. No, that's what I'm saying. Yes, even a Toyota, it's going to be a lot of debris in that engine from the manufacturing process. Okay. If you change it right now, you'll get all that out of there. So okay. I would change the oil right now, even if you don't change the filter, because the filter's going to probably still be okay. But just change all at about 500 miles with regular oil. Okay. Now push that out about 3,000 miles, and then you're ready to go ahead and put synthetic in it. Okay, so right now at 500 miles. Right, I'd go ahead and change it and put regular oil back in it. Whatever Toyota. Just whatever, yeah, whatever Toyota oil you want to use. Normally what I use. That's fine. Yeah, whatever brand you want. And the reason being, if you put synthetic in there right now, from what I've been told, the synthetic is so good, it's going to break up most or all of the wear in the engine. And the engine won't actually seat in as well as it should. Now, mm-hmm. those pistons have to seat into the cylinders. You know, they've been honed. The surface is a little bit rough now. The rings and all are going to seat in. That's where the debris comes from, why you want to change it to 500. But okay. once all that seating in takes place, then it's time to go to synthetic to break up any further wear and tear. Okay. All righty. Well, I'm really happy with it. I checked the fuel mileage on oh, yeah. it uh, twice, and it's getting 24.8 and 25.1. Cool. That's good. Yeah, those are great little old trucks. We just saw hard to see any problems with I mean, we do brakes. We do tires. Right, the regular stuff maintenance, like the, the normal stuff you'd expect to do on any vehicle. But, yeah, very seldom get a breakdown with one. Well, the only thing I know you got the transmission guy right there, which I'm going on to another question mm-hmm. here. But it's got a five-speed, they call it think or something transmission, uh, automatic. Mm-hmm. And this thing, I can... Feel it, it downshifts, it, it selects back and forth continuously, especially when you're slowing down, mm-hmm. to try to keep everything at 1,500 RPMs. Yeah, it's going to try to keep everything in a narrow RPM range. The reason being, Richard, is that emissions can only be optimized over a very narrow range. That's why they're going to the multiple speed transmissions, try to keep the engine as close as they can within that range. Because oh. when you go out of that range, the emissions start to go up. So that's why they're going to the five, six-speed transmissions, even eight-speed transmissions. Yeah, Chrysler just come out with an eight-speed. Right, and even the constantly variable transmissions just to try to keep the engine in that tighter range where they can optimize emissions better. Oh, all right. All righty. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, Richard, thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hi, you want to be part of the automotive hour? Hey, Tony, can you make it pretty quick? Yes, sir. Okay. Right. My question is brand of gas, the Octane. I have a 93 Corolla, mm-hmm. and I've been using, I guess it's brand of gas. I don't know if that's, I thought it was mobile, but they told me the other night it might be just Exxon. And Yeah, Tony, what I would do, I would go to a name brand station. The reason being, and where are these rumors about this is Exxon or this is Mobile or this is this or this is that, right. they may very well come from that refinery. Right. But what they are is what they call base gas or rack gas. Uh-huh. It's just gas with a federally mandated minimum amount of additives in it, and that's all you're getting. When you buy a name brand, you get additional additives. It's generally way worth the price difference to go ahead and go with the name brand fuel. You mean, say, like Shell? Shell, Exxon, Chevron, one of the name brands. As long as it's, well, I thought it was either Shell, I mean, Mobile or Exxon. They weren't sure which one, but. 
yeah, it's not going to be. That's going to be a rack-type gas. And like I said, I would go with a name brand fuel. I think you're more than worth the money. Hit the website, type in gas there, and get your question answered That's there. right. A lot more information there. Hey, we've got to get on out of here. Tell everybody how much you appreciate them listening this morning, every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. Thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week on iTunes and however you can get our show. That's right. Rate us if you want to. That's right. Be great. Appreciate anyone's opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.